our musicians are, are carriers of our poetry, but they don't realize what they've also done is they are the teachers of our language. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the Assyrian Podcast. Adessa here, and I'm excited to bring to you this week's episode with Robert Oshana of Chicago, Illinois. Last December, I was in Chicago and had told Robert beforehand how I always wanted to have an Assyrian jam session with Assyrian lyrics easily accessible and access to Assyrian classics to sing along to. He made it happen thanks to his vast collection of Assyrian records and the work he's done translating many Assyrian classics, which you can find on his website, learnassyrian.com. Robert is an Assyrian who has figured out how to combine what he's good at, in this case computers, with his love and passion for the Assyrian language in building out a website that has various resources for people who are interested in easy and creative ways of learning the Assyrian language. To me, that's the perfect recipe for moving Assyrians forward. Take what you're good at, figure out how it can benefit Assyrians, and make it happen. Thanks to Robert, we were also able to watch the Assyrian musical Malik Rama and fully understand the words thanks to his hours of translating the wonderful work of art which you can find on his website. We also discussed the letter blocks he had created for children to learn our alphabet to make the connection between the letters, how they look, and how they sound in a word. Even though they're now sold out since the time of the recording, it was important for me to leave it in here for people to understand the idea and the process behind making them. Plus, who knows, if there's big enough demand, maybe he'll consider reordering them again. I've provided his email in the show notes if you'd like to get in contact with him, as well as resources he's created that you can access. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligarakis and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligarakis. Tony has been recognized as a Top 40 Lawyer and a Rising Star by Super Lawyers Publication, and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847-982-9516. Now, without further ado, here is Robert Oshana. So thank you so much for being on the Assyrian podcast. Thank As you for I having was... me, Basim Tarawa. I appreciate it. As I was telling you, the beauty about the podcast is that I am naturally a very curious person. And so you're one of the people that I'm very curious about, right? You do a mm. lot of amazing work around the preservation of our language. And with that then comes music and all of these other things, but we'll go into that. So you graduated from NEIU, which mm. is? Uh, Northeastern University. What does the I stand for? Illinois? Northeastern Illinois. I wanted to go Northeastern Boston. North, it didn't work out. So okay. Northeastern Illinois University. And you graduated in computer science and math. Correct, yes. So you were just telling me earlier, after that, did you go traveling a little? Yeah, I started traveling in my early college years and visiting well over 25 countries just during the course of you know a dozen years or so. During that time, what started your passion or curiosity about being a Syrian? Hina, we, um, you know, we were born here, uh, you know, Syrians born here. I used to reply to my mom in English and I really didn't speak the language too well until I got to college and that's where I started first hanging a lot of beautiful, wonderful Assyrians 
And someone born here, you grew up like a couple years in California. Where in California? I didn't know that. Uh, Lodi. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lodi. So, you know, you grow up like realizing you speak Assyrian. What is Assyrian? And you become, you know, not so proud because you don't know the history of it. So once you, you know, once you start studying cultures and once you start studying other languages, then you realize that our language has uh, different names for, uh, you know, we, like Aramaic or Syriac. And sometimes people just don't know that. And they grow up with Assyrian. So people, you know, once you have no pride, people can make fun of you and then you just accept it. But once you start learning that your language is actually biblical and we've spread around Christianity all around the world. When you go to China and you go see actually the Nestorian monument and you can see suited on that uh, block over there, it's just the pride just fills you. So, and then once you start learning like, you know, like the Hebrew language. So you start learning and you just start learning their words and you're like, wait a minute, this, this language has more in common with Hebrew than Arabic. You think it's closer to Arabic. And then you realize that, wait a minute, you know, linguists actually call this language Aramaic or the Eastern dialect, Syriac. And then all of a sudden it hits you. So Yeah, and so growing up, like you were saying, you were born here. And of course, I think the many challenges that people deal with in terms of either being born in uh, Western countries or uh, coming at an early age is the heavy influence of English. Mm -hmm. We're speaking it everywhere and with everyone. And so when it comes to a household, sometimes it's so hard at a young age to keep that going. Like your parents might speak with you in Assyrian, but you might respond back in English. That was both of our experiences like that. At what point, what really like made that click in your head of, hey, I should probably start speaking this and responding back to my mom mm-hmm. in the language that she's speaking to me. Um, like during like college years when I was hanging around with a lot of Assyrian friends. So was uh, it those Assyrian friends that then invoked that in you to, to show that like significance and importance? They were really beautiful people and you started learning about your culture and they were very proud people too. Like uh, our university was the one that started uh, Mizelta, the parade. And we were the first Assyrians to have the parade, and it was started by. And you're talking about the Assyrian New Year Parade. Assyrian New Year Parade, yes. Oh, wow, really? Do you know uh, what year that was? That it was started? Long time ago. Let me see. Uh, Early 90s or so. Okay. Yeah, so. And uh, how did did it start? How did the idea start? We had an uh, Assyrian club, and, and it was in downtown, and it was just, you know, a pride filling moment, you know, that. These wonderful people got together and, you know, created a beautiful parade downtown. Now it's on Western Avenue in the north side, but downtown it was it was really a special moment. Were you a part of that? Those initial talks uh, of like when they were starting to plan it, or that was before? Back- no, I was there, but I was more in the background. They, okay. We had our leaders. You know, okay. I was I'm more of a shy, quiet background. Type oh, guy. okay, okay. So, but uh, also like another thing with the uh, languages, you know, when you grow up you always want to fit in, you know, so you don't really don't speak the language too well because, you know, you don't want to stand out. Mm. So, but once you, once you realize the importance of the language and the rarity of the language, you actually want to preserve it even more. So you realize that the reason why 
gold is more valuable than silver is because of the rarity. So our language is actually the diamond of languages. So, you know, that's something to be proud of. Absolutely. So it was an influence of your friends, those that were around you, as well as some some curiosity and research that you were doing that then uh, helped to develop this love of language mm-hmm. and identity as an Assyrian. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have many projects that you uh, work on. So you have LearnAssyrian.com. You have AssyrianLibrary.com. You have the Assyrian letter blocks, and you have a translation of songs that's done through Learn Assyrian. But in addition to that, you have a YouTube account, Lup Umalip, that has all of the music videos that are translated phonetically and then also translated into actual like English sure, translation. So, so let's actually <clears throat> let's go through each one of those. So when did you set up LearnAssyrian.com and what motivated you to create that? It was in the 90s when people didn't know what internet was and uh, when people had modems they were dialing in and uh, so the first Assyrian website was uh, Assyria Online. Oh okay. So is that uh, still active? It's probably not active anymore but you can double check on that and uh, so when I saw that flag coming down slowly as it used to go, like a, a, an image used to like show, reveal itself little at a time. And when that on the Assyrian, website, you mean? On the, oh. Like any, if you go to the websites, internet was so slow, the images used oh. to download very oh, slowly. I see what you mean, yes. And then when I saw that flag come up and I was just blown away, I went and bought an HTML book right away. And I had a Tandy TRS-80 Model 100. It had like 24K on there. It had a serial port so I can transfer files. So I started like typing everything up on the train and basically being born here and not really speaking the language so well, I knew the secrets for injecting pride in people who are born here. Because uh, the website is mainly for people who don't speak the language so well. And people are who are like iffy about their identity. So the best way to learn uh, the language is through our musicians and our musicians are, are carriers of our poetry but they don't realize what they've also done is they are the teachers of our language so you have uh, like Ewan will say and you're like Atta, what's Atta? and then all of a sudden everyone uses Atta the correct term instead of Baydakh which is a Turkish term for, for flag, flag. Yeah. Walter Aziz sings Akitu, and all of a sudden, everybody knows what Akitu means. Before, nobody knew, you know? So, it's just a way to showcase the importance of our artists and to have people understand what they say. Because when you understand what they say, the power, of, the power of Assyrian poetry is unbelievable, you know? So, for example, Ewan has a lot of metaphors. And people don't understand the metaphors. So what I do is I just translate them and let them know what they mean. So, for example, you will have Sipar Smokta and people just goes over people's heads. And basically it's about the war of the, 90, war of the 80s between Iran and Iraq. And they put us in the front lines. And basically all the students were taken out of classes. And their tests were done in the battlefield, Jumeidana. So... In a, in a 
shkullun sakhseta ju meydana they took a test in the battlefield turqillun u shkullun kha sipar smuka so a red zero but what does that mean so when a bullet enters a chest it turns red from the blood in the shape of a zero so you have these really powerful metaphors like for example um biidatid hirudu saqam qatlilan and you're like, what does Hirudu say? And it just bypasses you. So I'm just showcasing that Hirudu say actually is the the actual word for Herod, King Herod, but plural. Sabab Herod was the persecutor of Christians. Like we have multiple Herods. Hirudusit Iranaya, Hirudusit Iraknaya, Hirudusit Kurdaya, Hirudusit Turchaya. So you know, these are powerful metaphors, and I'm just explaining other people's talent and writings. Yeah, so when you started LearnAssyrian.com, you're, I, I can imagine that before, it, it did it immediately start with starting to translate the songs, or was it just a very basic of learn how to write the alphabet and then learn how to implement that into words and what those words then mean? and. Well, uh, it started with the songs because I sat oh, with my did. mom and we had cassette players back then. And I was like, Yimmi Muilamara, what does he say? What does he say? And I wrote everything down, typed it all up, and I just put it online. Wow. So people can, you know, learn speaking. Once you, once you learn one song, you become fluent in all the words that you've learned like you've always known those words. And that's the power of our music. I'm going to ask a question, and this is something that I know I dealt with growing up, so I can imagine I'm not the only person. But because I didn't know so many of those words when I was listening to Assyrian music like in the car. But so bit, yeah, university. But you know, growing up, um, because I didn't know so many of those words, I would then, the songs would kind of just go over my head. Mm-hmm. And then because I didn't know the words, I, I didn't have a tie to them. And therefore, I didn't have a love and appreciation for them mm-hmm. until much later on when I just developed my own curiosity. So if people don't know those words from the beginning, like how do we, how do we invoke like a love for our music within people? If they may have difficulties with these songs. Well, back then, there was really no option because a lot of our singers, they worked so hard and, you know, on their own expense too, to give us this beautiful music. But they, what they really need to do is, I'm a firm believer of transliterations and translations. They really need to provide us those words because to decipher like what they say and to separate the words and to look them up in dictionaries takes a lot of time. But now you can just go to a website and just look at the songs. It has every song has like uh, two le- two sentences: transliteration and translation. This is this translation. I developed a certain translation over the years that flows extremely well for people who are born here. Not using the word the the number nine or like uh, like some convoluted way of transliterations. These words just flow with with tabs uh, used to separate the cinnamons. Um, and um, so just go to, the, go to the site and some of them, the proper way to actually do it is to have three lines. I have a few songs like that and I have also uh, the whole musical Malak Rama with three lines, Assyrian, transliteration and translation. So you can actually read it 
in Assyrian, you can actually understand what it says by the transliteration and how, how it's pronounced, and then understand what they say by the third line. That's amazing because now people and I on your website on learnassyrian.com now people are able to go through them and you have many of the classic songs that of our of mm. our artists and now they're able to go on there not only sing along because they have the the transliteration but also understand what it is that mm. the artist is trying to convey That's what I'm doing I'm just showcasing other people's talents of our wonderful singers and wonderful poets. So I'm really doing nothing, just... You are doing a lot well, because it's a lot of work. Like how, on average, how long would you say it takes to do that for one song? It could take like a f like two, three, four days, depending on the song. Right, and this is just purely voluntary? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Malik Rama was like three months, you know, so... But after like 150 times of listening to the musical, I kind of got tired of mumbling so like i really wanted to know what they say you know yeah well and we'll get a chance to talk about malik rama uh, a little bit later so that was with learnassyrian.com and but in addition to the songs i know that you also break down each letter of the alphabet how it sounds how you would use it in a in a word what are some examples of for example alap ashuraya and so what was your thought in terms of how you decided to break that down how i decided to break that down yeah like, in terms of like simplifying it for people on the website like i said i i, I go through it with the the eye of someone being born here and trying to create tools that would be easy for me if i would have just looked them up so like for example um i'll choose proper words or chop you know like i love ashuraya like important words that would be good for people to learn. And also I have my mom translating them, you know, or, and speaking them out. So for each letter, there's her voice is being recorded. And then also for the Assyrian blocks, there's a pronunciation guide. And those are, I use not just words, but I use them in sentences also. So people can actually learn the words and how to use them properly. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because on the learnassyrian.com, there's a tab that goes into the the Assyrian blocks. What was your inspiration for creating those? Well, just like any Assyrian that wants to preserve anything of our language, you look around and see, you know, can I Assyrianize this? Can I Assyrianize that? And one thing was missing was the blocks. So it was a thing, something that needed to be done and... I had raised enough money for a car, but I decided between a car or the blocks, we had to buy 500 of them and go to China. And it was a, you know, mass expense. I had no Go GoFundMe page or anything like that. So uh, I just decided with the blocks. Wow. And so, and talk to us a little bit about the blocks and what they look like, because they're not just Alep. So on one side, or tell us what's on each side. Well, I decided, I designed them where parent shows the child the letter and behind the letter straight behind 180 degrees is the actual the letter and the pronunciation of it and i went through thousands of words to choose proper words that were you can actually just see the picture and immediately know like if it's a heart and then just the assyrian writing underneath it what have people's responses have been with with uh with seeing them and with purchasing them uh, well, to be honest with you, they were supposed to sell out in a year, but it's four years later, 
there's a lot of disinterest that kind of uh, broke my heart. But uh, the people who have bought them, when they forward me pictures of their children learning, it just, uh, you know, tears me up. Yeah, I can imagine. And you have your own nephews, nieces, right? Yes. Uh -huh. So I'm sure same thing happens with them. You give them the, the blocks and you're investing uh, a love for language from an early age. Yeah, I've, I've tried to instill that in all my cousins and all my family and all my friends. Sometimes you have to be kind of awkward because, you know, they make fun of me that uh, I speak in, I speak Assyrian with subtitles. So I'll use a word, but I'll throw in the English word underneath it. So I was never cool, so I decided I'll just jump in. And, and as long as they learn the words that I'm conveying to them, it's okay. So why, yeah, I mean, why, why do you think that is? So like, is what you're basically saying is like, it's uncool almost to like speak Assyrian. Yeah, you know, that's... Why do you think that is? People want to fit in, you know, um... People want, are so consumed with being cool. Like, for example, the youth today, I've never seen so much pride in all my life. I'm just shocked at how proud they are. They're leading these seminars, they're, they're leading parades, they're giving speeches in a trilogy English. And even when I listen to them, they're all speaking English to each other. In a, you know, there should be like some people saying, hey, listen, we should have like half hour or one hour Assyrian hour. Like if, we're, if we have an Assyrian group together, a Syrian youth group, okay, you have some really charismatic people in that group. They should be the ones telling people, hey, listen, one hour, we're only going to speak Assyrian. Okay, this is crazy that we all speak English. But it's wonderful how proud they are, but, you know, they have to concentrate on the language. Sheikhani lechemi alamelatan. So they have to actually concentrate on speaking. And then nobody should actually make fun of people for tripping on words. In Tarqilat al-Khabrani, you know, just have someone correct them or, you know, try to make speaking Assyrian cool again with, uh, you know, with our leaders. Yeah, to those that are listening, I think that's like a great, a great way to implement just a very small change within common group gatherings that we have is if we can all commit to at least a half hour of that time or an hour of that time where we try to speak it with one another and i think i think for a lot of people they may be scared of speaking it because they're not confident in it but like you were saying if we each teach each other with a no judgment zone and people practice as they practice they'll obviously gain that confidence to mm -hmm. be able to speak more comfortably with one another mm -hmm. and once they're comfortable then they're more likely to speak it because mm -hmm. yeah they have and that then, confidence and then um you know once that confidence raises you know people can start like everyone will have an assignment they all learn one song mm -hmm. and then when they're all in the same house they'll put the song on youtube and then everybody will sing it at the same time uh, that would be magical that would be a beautiful sight to see when i go to like um reunions of Habania and I see all the people singing the same song together and I'm like you know our generation doesn't do that you know so uh, learn Assyrian songs uh, learn one song together and everybody just sing it together and the pride comes once you have that pride in your language you will start speaking it more but the reason why you have pride is because 
you know the language. If you consider yourself you consider yourself nationalistic and you see yourself you know, being active and love for your people and your activities, ask yourself one question. Did your parents speak to you in Assyrian? And 99% of people will say yes. You know, and so the root of your pride comes from your language. Hmm. The root of our existence comes from our language. If we didn't speak Assyrian, we would be Turkish, Kurdish, Arab. What, what ties us to our, our, lang, our land is our language. That's the biggest proof that we are who we are. We, can't, we would not have that proof if we only spoke Arabic. Now, let me play devil's advocate. Let's say I'm a person who, you know, is born here and I grew up not speaking the language and I'm just like, who cares? Like, like why is the language important? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Some people, they want, I want my children to speak Spanish because it benefits them. Sometimes they want to speak no language, which benefits them. They want to speak only one language. Being multilingual will make my kids smarter. Actually, it's not true. The smartest people in you the world... You mean monolingual? Monolingual. Oh. Yeah, people who are monolingual, they actually develop Alzheimer's a lot faster than people who are bilingual, trilingual. Uh, you know, they have they, they forget less in their adult life. So... Yeah, but there's then, a lot of studies that show like learning multiple languages from early on so can a, help with with brain development and, right. and everything so that's like a, that. A, a level of ignorance thinking that you speak one language, my child would be better in school. Uh, also, what happens is like like I use I gave you that analogy of the diamond. You know, people get rich off of off of silver or platinum, but platinum is our language. Our diamond is our language. So it's something you have to value. As you get older, you val like you'll see Assyrian pride kick in with their language in their teens because people want to know where they come from. People want to know who they are, and then uh, they learn that in their 16, 17, 18, or, or like in their twenties. So, for example, you know, all my cousins, you know, they didn't speak Assyrian too well. But uh, their parents spoke to them in Assyrian. My grandmother's children all spoke to their kids in Assyrian, even though they answered in English. Once they turned 18, 19, I saw, like, if you, if you don't see them for a couple months, two, three months, and then I see them, all of a sudden, they speak like a canary, they speak fluent. I'm like, what happened? I haven't seen you in a few months, and now you speak fluently. That's because their pride kicked in, and their listening skills were developed by listening to their parents. So their speaking skill, skills will instantly kick in mm -hmm. by just learning a few songs. Mm -hmm. This was a question that one of the co-hosts asked, is what are some practical ways that people can practice and use Assyrian in everyday life when they generally speak English or other languages? I know you mentioned one suggestion is to Let's say we all commit to at least a half an hour of a part of our gatherings to then do that. Are there other ways that like on a day-to-day -day basis that people can, like practical ways that they can try to implement speaking Assyrian? Are you sp speaking to other people or? Yeah, speaking to other people who are Assyrian. Well, basically what you have to do is you have to not depend on other people 
and learn for yourself by just singing to yourself. You know, mm. a lot of times you're not going to see that person to to speak to, have a dialogue with, and some people are not interested. Mm. But if you just like put on your headphones and all these songs are downloadable and you can actually like the lyrics are embedded inside so you can actually like go through your phone have your headphones on and just sing to yourself and learn one word every two days and that should be enough yeah i mm -hmm. think that's yeah. pretty practical let's transition so that was learnasyrian.com that was the the language mm -hmm. component you also have in the letter blocks which by the way if people are interested in looking at those letter blocks and purchasing them where can they do so well learnassyrian.com but you don't have to purchase them there is the first assyrian app was was with assyrian animals was in 2002 you can actually like view the animals on a tablet if you go to a web browser called puffin puffin that supports flash uh, also there's virtual blocks so you don't even need uh, the actual blocks you can just use your finger and just you know, use the app to actually play with the blocks. And that's on the website as well? Yeah, so the, both of those apps, you can... Back then, they were called applications, but um, you can actually just use those without having to purchase the blocks. Very cool. Um, now, about AssyrianLibrary.com, what was your inspiration for that and um, your hope for it? Uh, well, I have... Um, a large library of books and some of them are rare and just to see them uh, not printed is kind of a terrible thing you know just to uh, they just need to be scanned and preserved just like uh, you know the Google Books project you know something what we need to do so uh, you know it's a site created that people can actually download whatever books that they want there's a lot of books that have been have been uploaded you know but a business now they're here and there and there so I'm just trying to consolidate them and scanning a lot of books. I also like scan some books and then what I do is English books and make a lot of corrections and then run it through a computer synthesizer and create digital audiobooks. So, uh, but those are computerized audiobooks, but it's better if someone reads them. So if, if um, people want to scan audio, if, if someone sees in their household that they have this rare book, they can just scan it, send it to me, I'll credit them. If you have someone who wants, who has a microphone and they just want to create an audiobook, uh, they can just sit in front of their microphone and read a book and we can just create an audiobook for that, you know. And then that'll be, once it's scanned or it's uh, creating a, an MP3 file for the audiobook, that'll be with us for generations, so... Uh, hopefully people can like contribute to that yeah as we see like m many things are becoming digitized so this mm -hmm. is the natural route that we should be going as well we actually just went to the Ashurbani Paul library yesterday at the Assyrian Universal Alliance Foundation and I know that that's a project that they're working on too is trying to digitize many of the library books that they mm -hmm. have in there so that they're made available online so the, there's, like you were saying, there's many of these sort of resources happening. They're kind of all over the place, but this is one way that people can do that. And I know many people who listen to audiobooks, so this mm. is one way that they can do that while they're cooking or while mm. they're doing whatever they're doing to be able to then listen to a book. Yeah, audiobooks are the future. People, um, you can consume audiobooks about three or four times the rate of a regular book. So you'll consume a lot of knowledge 
with audiobooks. So one thing we're lacking is audiobooks for Assyrian and, you know, in English too. So if you do decide to create an audiobook, if you run into a big word, throw in the English translation underneath it so people can understand it more, you know. So that was just one suggestion. Great. And if people are, obviously it's assyrianlibrary.com, but also if they're interested in getting in contact with you about that, let's say they want to inquire more about it, possibly if they're interested in serving as somebody to speak uh, on the, the audio books that they can reach out to you, where? If you go to visit the website, you'll see my email there, robertoshan at outlook.com. Awesome. So what I love about these projects that you've been working on is it takes what you did in college and, and your undergrad and connects it to your passion for being a Syrian and doing something with that. Like I think so many times, whether it's been at different youth summits or whatever it is, it's like one of the main points that people try to make is that no matter what fields any of us are in, it is ideal for us to take that and contribute it in some way, if possible, to the betterment of Assyrians. Hmm. And that's what you're doing through these projects. Like you have a background in computer science and so you're, you're implementing all of these projects for the betterment and the future of Assyrians. Right, well I'm just a guy behind the keyboard just showcasing other people's talent and using their talent to to learn the language, basically. Yeah. So, how much traffic do you get on the sites? Depends. Like, floats between ten to twenty thousand a month. And do you like? Do you have Google Analytics attached to them, where you're seeing like where people, what countries they're viewing them from? Uh, I, what I have is I have analytics from the web server. What from uh, the yeah, web server? iPower Web. So any countries you that you've been surprised of or you're like oh i'm getting hits from here yeah you get some from like libya and you get okay. some from taiwan okay. or china like well, it's okay yeah, i mean thanks yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah. <laughs> what makes learnassyrian.com different compared to the other language programs like bitkanu or rinyo or really any of the other resources that are out there well those people are just unbelievable wonderful people and they they're a group of people that if you speak to them you'll just be blown away by how wonderful they are and they do such important work for children uh, my work is basically on people who are born in this country and then they're just so everything is like beginner but for like young adults mm. so uh, or it could be at any age really but but that's kind of your like target trying people who are you know discovering who they are and uh, just saying, hey, this is who you are, and you should be proud. And this is your language. It's a dying language. And, you know, probably 50 more years, it, it will barely exist. So your job is to actually learn it and preserve it for the next generation. Yeah. Okay. So let's go with, uh, you have one section in learnassyrian.com that is commonly misused Assyrian words, which is also important to know because we say many words and we don't even know what the roots of them are. Mm -hmm. So let's go through some of these that I think are more common and I think this will be like a fun learning lesson for people. So you'd mentioned one of them was flag. Baydakh is one way of saying it, but it's Baydakh the more correct way. Turkish. Yeah. Baydakh. So the correct way is ata. ata. Yes. 
Are there some words that were surprising to you, or? No, I I teach the language, so many okay. of these. All the words you knew. I Good knew. Uh, bulbul. Sorry, not bulbul. Um, bibla. I didn't know. I thought warda was uh, for all flowers. But well, warda is, is a for rose. rose? Okay. Warda is rose. So bibla is for flower. You know, some people say habawa, but habawa. Oh yeah, yeah for one of uh, the. For the Rino song, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but uh, some people use it, but really, uh, Bible. Bible. Okay. Like uh, Juliana Jendu has uh, has a video of for children mm-hmm. called Biblet Atur, mm. the flowers of Assyria. I see. Meaning the children of Assyria. I see. I know Gona because I think it was Bitkanu that mm-hmm. had a yes. video about that. So I know the 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 young kids in a Syrian school. Small. Yeah. Exactly. There were also yellow and green, mm-hmm. which were new words I didn't know. So yeah. we for yellow, we were used to saying zarda, mm-hmm. but it's actually yaruka. Yeah. And green, we're usually used to saying qina, mm-hmm. but it is shautha. Shautha. So I mean, these kind of things are obviously tough, yeah. right? We're we're these words mm-hmm. are like ingrained in us, mm-hmm. so it's it's difficult to change. But I think. As long as we know what the correct word is, and if we can yes. try to, to make slowly thing. make the transition into our everyday lives, then it makes mm-hmm. it easier for everybody. Let's go down and see some other ones that we hear very often. Kitchen. So some people say madbach, which mm-hmm. is Arabic, or in Farsi it's ashbaschana, uh, but the actual word is bit bashlenta or bashlenta. Yes. Um, let's see what else here. Party. Sometimes people say hafla, which mm-hmm. is Arabic, but it is mishtuta. So I tell you what the root of the word is. Yeah. Like dunya would be Hindi, a Hindi word. Yes. So instead of saying dunya, you would say tevel. Tevel. And for um, teacher? Sometimes we say Rabi mm-hmm. as a very general thing, but the actual correct word is Malpana. Malpana and Malpanta. Yeah. So these are all cool too because it goes through what the correct way of saying it is, as well as the maybe what we've more commonly heard and where the root of that stems from. So that's a, that's good too because that's a great learning lesson for people. So one of the when you go on to learnassyrian.com, one of the songs within the section is Malik Rama. You are someone that's into musicals. Could you talk a little bit about what Malik Rama is and what it means to you and how you then were motivated to begin translating the musical? There's a guy named, his name is Edwin Elia. He is literally the most talented Assyrian man that basically has existed, I think. He's our successor to William uh, Daniel. And he created this musical that is, since I listen to a lot of musicals, I know the lyrics to a lot of, a lot of uh, musicals around, you know, in Broadway. I really, can, I really can tell you with sincerity that is one of the best musicals that have ever been created. And, you know, there is uh, the translation by Marcel Josephson, and he also typed it all out. So basically, I just rearranged it and did my own transliteration and my own translation of that. But it was just putting in the subtitles. But the main cause, purpose was to actually to know the beauty of this musical 
and uh, just acknowledge Edwin Elia for the genius he is. Yeah, and if you can just talk a little bit about what Malik Rama is about. So uh, Malik Rama is a take on Alexander Pushkin's uh, book. And, you know, in Russia they have an opera, they have a cartoon, they have music, but really uh, an Assyrian or a bunch of Assyrians did the most beautiful job in the world on it. And we have, uh, there's a lot of words actually you can learn in that musical too, that, you know, Khabrana Sapraya, like literature words, mm -hmm. the words of literature that, that you'd have to look them up to actually know what they mean, so. Mm -hmm. Wow, wonderful. So people can also on learnassyrian.com, they can go on yeah, and... Yeah, download the lyrics and then if you want the subtitles, I can send them to you or I can post them probably. So hopefully, uh, just keep watching Mesopotamian Night. Anything and everything they do is the most beautiful art that we've had in like thousands of years. So support Mesopotamian Night. Go to their shows and buy all their DVDs. And uh, the most magnificent thing that uh, we have created since the Wing Bull is Mesopotamian Night 5th anniversary, where you have Misha Ashurian and Vanya David these are our Benny and Bjorn. If you know Benny and Bjorn uh, from ABBA, they create the most beautiful melodies and the most beautiful rhyming words. And these are our Benny and Bjorn. And you have Edwin Elia, who is our Andrew Lloyd Webber. So you have all of these. And Ed, uh, Edwin is the one actually who created the notes for all of the 50-piece instruments that are there. So there's over 100 people that worked on this DVD. So please purchase the fifth anniversary and you can actually go through the lyrics and understand the whole thing. Wonderful. And they can find the, those lyrics again. You can find them on uh, Assyrian, yeah. learnassyrian.com. Yes. And they yeah. can follow through on the, with the DVD. Correct. Yeah. And then it's just showcasing other people's talents. That's all. Robert, we have listeners from all over the world. What is one thing that you would like to say to them? If you're a parent, Speak to your children in Assyrian, even though they don't reply to you in Assyrian. If they reply to you in French or English, it doesn't matter. Uh, and you try to instill that child the pride. The pride will come. But when the pride comes and they have the listening skills that you've implemented as a child, their language skills will be built within one or two months. But if you only speak English or French to them all their lives, they're gonna come back at you and say, mom, why didn't you speak with me in Assyrian? Why didn't you teach me my language? They will blame you later on. So just speak to them in Assyrian and have them reply in English, it's okay. They will thank you later on. Thanks for tuning in. We love hearing from our listeners, so if there's something about this episode that stood out to you or your thoughts about the episode, be sure to comment on our social media post. Thanks again, and see you next week for a new episode.